This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. So you'd think you could write a book. If it's fiction, it'll take more than that vague idea of characters and plot and locations. And if nonfiction, you're in for real research, because once the type is set and the press is run, it's too late for a rewrite. So how do professional writers do it? And why are some wildly successful and others never get the attention or money they crave? Biz News talks with authors all the time. Usually, it's about what's in their books. But in this Biz News interview podcast, we talk about how it's done with Los Angeles-based writer Justin DiPego. Justin, Let's start by talking a little bit about your book. Would you give us the elevator uh, summarization summarization of it? Yes. Uh, so, Wrong Side of a Working Man is about a, a an electrician, a uh, blue-collar guy plying his trade uh, across the Southland of Los Angeles. Uh, and um, everything is going well in his life. He's a good husband and father until he is felled by chronic pain and resulting from this chronic pain, a terrible short temper, uh, the result of which he loses everything. He loses his job, his wife leaves him and takes their daughters, and, uh, and he discovers that there has been a curse put upon him. And in order to lift this curse, he learns that he needs to perform these 10 Increasing, increasingly mythic tasks across the city to rebalance his own life and rebalance the mystical imbalances that exist in the city. Now, it, it's sometimes said that uh, some of the best uh, stories are written by authors who write from their own life experiences. How does this book reflect uh, your life? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of it is... Uh, is is based directly on my life i was a uh, i was not i'm not an electrician but i i worked in construction for many years and uh and i was a handyman i installed skylights um i made alex an electrician because the idea of playing with electricity is sort of more mythic than the idea of being a handyman um but uh but yeah i mean being a blue collar guy and uh, i was not um for most of my career on a crew, right? I was a solo guy going from house to house or small business to small business. And in doing that, I got a peek into all of these homes and businesses, these worlds, these private worlds of all these these people. And when you have a job like that, whether it's electrician or plumber, house painter, handyman, you kind of become an invisible non-entity when you're in that when you're in someone's home you know it, it, they will forget that you're there while you're doing your thing and so you get a really um unvarnished candid view into all these worlds uh, and i wanted to find a way to tell all these little LA vignettes, these this side of this city that you don't typically see in media um, because people outside of Los Angeles have a, tip, 
typically have a view of what LA is like based on, you know, what they see in, in uh, uh, like entertainment news and things like that. Gla glamour, lots of glamour, lots of crime, and sometimes the two mix. Right, yes, exactly. And so I wanted to tell a story that had nothing to do with that, uh, but that was a very Los Angeles story, tell the story of this city in a way that would be very recognizable to the people here and very maybe revelatory to people who aren't from here. But I also didn't want to literally go down the road of, of I don't know, a, um, a memoir of my experiences. And so I took the mythological framework of the 12 labors of Hercules, uh, the ancient story and brought that up into modern day. And so my protagonist, our hero is a modern analog for Hercules and has to perform the labors uh, just as Hercules did. Does, does your book have a message that you are trying to get across to the readers? And if so, well, what is it? Yes, and, and I, this is true for almost all of my writing is like, first and foremost, I wanna be entertaining. Uh, just in the same way that I didn't want to write a memoir of my experiences, I also didn't wanna write an essay or a dissertation on the issues that I bring up. I want it to be an entertaining way to, to tell a story. And then when you scratch below the surface, you'll see that it is indeed about um, chronic pain. It's about toxic, toxic masculinity versus positive masculinity. And it is about the um, sort of invisible seismic way in which we as individuals are all connected to each other in our various stories. Now, as you are also in the entertainment industry with your own production company, yes. is this book too complex to ever be made into a uh, movie? Oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, uh, no, certainly not. I, I, um, I have written a uh, screenplay for it that, um, that is a pared down um, sort of... Uh, uh, there are 10 tasks in the book that, that Alex has to perform. I've written a screenplay that deals with just one of those tasks. Um, and then, you know, you could uh, extrapolate a number of sequels um, or, you know, it, it could, it could also easily be adapted into an episodic uh, uh, series on, you know, on, on cable or, or what have you. Uh, Netflix or one of those places, I suspect. Oh, yeah, I can't. I just absolutely dated myself by saying cable. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's still around for some people. <laughs> now, isn't this book supposed to be part of a trilogy? And, it is. And... It's the first book in a trilogy. Um, and and uh, I'm working um, on the second book now. So obviously, uh, reception to the first book has been encouraging enough for you to sit down at the computer keyboard and start banging on the keys again yeah people people respond very positively to it which makes me which makes me happy it's interesting uh writing a book 
being a writer is um, is a is an insular. Um, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't want to use the word lonely, but but you are. You know, you're in your space by yourself doing your thing, and there are no immediate applause or groans uh, when you put your work out into the world. You have to wait for it to percolate and um and then reviews start coming in and you start getting feedback and things like that so it's nice it's nice to uh to have that insular uh uh solo kind of experience of of sitting here at my keyboard among all of my my books and trinkets and then and then have something be created in that and then boom it goes out into the world it's not mine anymore and now, uh, yeah, it's, so it's nice to hear people uh, people responding to it. Now, you're, as I mentioned earlier, are in the entertainment industry with your own production company. That's a pretty tough door to ever pry open for many people. How did you do it? Well, uh, so I've been a, a professional writer for around 30 years. Um, and... Uh, and so, you know, ups and downs in my, in my career, but for all of that time, what I've been in the industry, I've been freelance, we're also known as writer for hire. Uh, and, you know, I've been under contract here and there in, in, in places, um, but, but for the most part, I've been a writer for hire, which means that I've been beholden to other people to, uh, to hire me, whether I write something on spec and somebody likes it and 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 you know picks it up or i get an assignment you know or, or whatever it's always an out, outside force that um that i have to rely on and uh now as you know as i've been doing this for a long time and and uh riding through ups and downs of my career i had a uh I have a YouTube channel and on that channel has mostly nothing to do with me as a filmmaker um, or uh, as a writer. Mostly on that channel, what I'm doing is I'm fixing up this house that I live in. I'm, you know, like I said, I've been in construction, right? So I live in a house that was built in 1915, craftsman style house. And when you have a home that's over a hundred years old, there's a lot of work that needs to be done constantly it'll never be finished so uh so a lot of videos on my youtube channel are about me fixing up my house different things that i needed to do uh tearing out paneling and blah 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 all kinds of uh all kinds of you know exploring an attic that had been covered up for many years I ended up after a while with hours of footage of me doing this and just sort of on a lark, I was like, well, what am I going to do with all of these hours of footage? Because the truth is, is I'm not just a handyman. I'm not just making DIY videos. I am also a filmmaker. And so um, kind of an experiment. I took all this footage and I re-edited it. To create a narrative. So instead of it being about the real life Justin DePego fixing up this real life house, it became about a character played by me named Justin DePego fixing up a house and in the course of doing so discovering that the house is haunted. 
Now, the, so the first, you know, the beginning of, of, of this new endeavor is very similar to the original videos, except that um, I added subtle special effects in the backgrounds that the main character doesn't even notice. So that while he's talking, as I'm talking to you right now, there might be a glowing orb behind me that I don't notice that the, but that the, the audience would see. Um, but then as the story progressed, I made those, those incidents more and more obvious and more and more bizarre until finally I ran out of existing footage and had to create new footage to, um, to complete this sort of one man battle against the entities in his house. I turned in, in real life, I turned my whole backyard into a film studio with a, a, a green screen that was like, you know, it was like 16 feet across my whole, the whole front covered the whole front of my garage uh, so that I could do full scale special effects. I built a set of the inside of my, of my attic so that I could, uh, instead of trying to haul all my equipment into the attic, I built this, this set. And, uh, and so I had this full scale battle between myself and the entities in the house. And, uh, and, and it was a fun sort of experiment, you know, to see what I could do. I, I realize this is a long answer, but um, but I warn you now that there will be almost no short answers to any of your questions because that's the way I my mind works. But um, okay, so now here I have this this uh, this movie which I called hashtag nineteen fifteen house, and uh, and I'm like, well, now what do I do with it? I mean, I could post it to my my YouTube channel, which is fine. Uh, but I thought, well, since I have it, why don't I submit it to some film festival contests? And I did. And the first one that I submitted to um, was, it was called something. I, 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 can't, I can't remember what it's called, but it was called something shorts. Right. So uh, and and they rejected it. Out of hand. And I got an email back from them that said, no, thank you. And, uh, but then in the body of the email, it said, um, basically they hadn't even watched the movie because it was too long to be submitted as a short film and that they have a sister festival. They asked me to resubmit as a feature. And, and to myself, I had this, I was like, wait a minute, are you telling me that for like, for no money and by myself, uh, I made a feature film? I was like, it kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow, I'm, I just made a feature film by accident. So I resubmitted to the feature side of the film festival and uh, and then to several other festivals during the the festival season of that year that that was uh 2017 i think and um and i ended up winning some awards getting you know getting into some several of the festivals and and uh and it did you know it did it did pretty well on the festival circuit especially for something that i had so little investment in you know i mean i had not invested any money in it all even the set that I built was all built out of scrap wood from fixing up my house so I the only the only thing that I spent money on was the paint 
that I used to um, to create the green screen because uh, you need a very specific green color for that. Um, so uh, so I did I did spend money on that, but otherwise I I did everything I did all my own special effects everything. So accidentally made this this feature film with all these special effects and sound effects and everything, and uh, and it did really well or it did pretty well on the on the circuit. And I thought to myself, if I can do that by accident, I can certainly do that on purpose. Uh, and so that's where my, my production company was born. Um, I just started, I, it was like right, once I'd had that sort of revelation, I started Depego Now Entertainment. And uh, oh, and one of the other things that happened in the on the festival circuit was um, there was one of the one of the festivals had um, it was a horror themed festival, uh, but one it was a three day event, and one of the days was set aside as they each day had a theme, and my film was set aside as being sort of the the feature event of the grindhouse night and uh grindhouse is a is a sort of film genre i don't know i don't know if i need to explain this but it, it's a film genre that especially big in the 70s and 80s there was low budget a lot of shock value gritty uh kind of guerrilla filmmaking um growing out of the exploitation uh, film movement, but not they're not all exploitation films. And I was like, that was another revelation for me. I was like, I made a feature film and it's a Grindhouse film. Grindhouse is something that I'm very, like, that's what I grew up watching. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, if I, if I could fill this Grindhouse niche that we don't really have right now, uh, in, in a certain in a certain way, we do like a twenty four and and uh, and uh, uh, smaller houses like that are, are doing it. Blumhouse, um, but anyway, I was like, wow, I could do that. I could I could make that happen. And so I got myself up and running. That like for instance, the uh, the screenplay for Wrong Side of a Working Man is written specifically to be shot in that kind of way. Um, where I, I could, I could write it, my, I'm sorry, I could direct, I wrote it, I could direct it, I could get a small cast, we could go out and shoot it in Griffith Park, and boom, you know, with no permits, right, don't tell anybody, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so, um, I was already, I was up, you know, I had, I had that screenplay, I have a couple of other screenplays, it was a sequel to 1915 House, so I was getting all this up and running. And then of course, um, if, if you've clocked when my aha moment was, was 2017, it takes a little while for things to get up and running. So the gears are turning, I'm getting things, I, I'm, I have a cast ready to go in one thing and I'm getting financing for another thing. And then the entire world shuts down because there's a global pandemic. So, um, so that gave me time then to finish the novel of, of Wrong Side of a Working Man and get that out into the world, which we're talking about here today. 
uh, but the the actual production side where you need teams of people and and things like that though that is now back in place where it's grinding back to uh to to get things going so we may be able to see this on a, a small screen or even a big screen uh, near us one of these days that's the uh that's the plan and it's more than you know it's more than just wrong side of a working man like i said i mean i have I have several different projects in different stages of development competing for which one will be the first to uh, to pull the trigger on. Justin, where can our listeners and viewers get more information? You mentioned you had a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, you, you, I'm, if, you, if you just search for Justin DePago on YouTube, the actual sort of YouTube um, lets you name your YouTube uh, channel. And then once you've done that, you can't change it. Uh, so it's because it started as a do-it-yourself, uh, the name of the YouTube channel is Do It With Justin. Um, but you could just search for Justin DePago and you'll find it. You could also search for hashtag 1915 house and you'll find it. Um, and then I'm on, uh, I have uh, depagonow.com uh, where you'll find links to everything. Uh, my Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram and Twitter um where i just use my name justin apago so i'm not hard to find uh justin what would you like to uh, add that we have not had a chance to talk about well i think um i know that i know that you're a um you know you're, you're you, you you talk about business and and being a business and i and i think my aha moment is something that i think all artists uh can benefit from because one thing you need to remember when you're an artist is that you are a business and that and that you are your own entrepreneurial enterprise and it's very uh, uh you know i'm i mean i'm i'm very much in uh, support of the arts as a concept and artists, in particular, um, I think it's it's a necessary uh, for society to have a strong um, uh, connection to the arts and to support arts, the arts and artists. Um, and so, for an artist to sit back and just sort of wait for the muse to do their work and to not think about the money side and and all of that, I think is valid and important. But you also have to eat, and and uh, and so I would encourage anyone who is watching or listening who is an artist to reject the notion of selling out. There's no, I don't think that there is such a thing. If you can get paid for your work, so be it. Um, and to find your niche, you know, find like like for me to have that like, oh wow, I did this by accident, and then oh, on top of that they labeled me as grindhouse and that is something i feel like i can embrace i feel like i was lucky to have someone put that label on me um because it was a label that spoke to me someone else might have put a different label on me for instance horror would not have made would have not have i knew i was joining a horror uh film festival but it, that's not like it wasn't revelatory 
you know, but to drill down and say, ah, grindhouse, I can work with that, you know? So find that thing, whatever that thing is for you. And this, you don't have to be a filmmaker. Uh, in my case, I'm a filmmaker or an author. Um, but whatever that thing is, find that thing and fill that niche or strive to fill that niche, figure out what your niche is, you know, as a businessman or woman or a person, uh, I don't want to, um, restrict it, <clears throat> excuse me, in any way, you know, find, find what that, what that place is for you in the world. And I think that's such a valuable place to be. Uh, when I was a young writer, I was very sort of bohemian in my approach to it. Um, which, like I said, I think is valid if you can afford it. But uh, I quickly realized when I was outside of the academic setting, I majored in literature and I was surrounded by writers and other artists, actors, painters, uh, sculptors, the whole arts community in uh, UC Santa Cruz where I went is very, <clears throat> or at least it was then, was very connected to each other. And it was a wonderful echo chamber. Um, but when I came out into the world uh, and tried to maintain that sort of like, oh, I write best after midnight and I'm gonna light a candle and have a glass of wine and you know, let the muse come to me and all this. Like I said, all that is valid. But if you wanna be a professional, you have to treat it like a job. And uh, my father is a writer uh, still. And one of the things I learned from him is that I, which I, I had rejected as a young artist, but then I quickly realized was necessary is he's diligent and professional and he gets up every morning and, um, and he writes until lunch with no interruptions. And then he has, he doesn't, he's, he's mostly retired now, so he doesn't have the same schedule, but, but for decades, write until lunch, have break for lunch, and then spend the afternoon reviewing what he'd written in the morning, and then do it again tomorrow. And, uh, and that seemed so pedestrian to me when I was a young artist. <clears throat> and it was unsexy. But, uh, but it, yeah, it turns out that that's so important. And maybe that's not the schedule that you want to be on, but you do need to be on a schedule. Um, I discovered that Hemingway was on a similar schedule, except that he would wake up before dawn and then write for five hours, stone cold sober, despite all of his hard drinking reputation. Uh, and then he would be finished writing <coughs> basically when the fishing started to get good, but he'd already put in his writing day. Now there's, there's a, a uh, system that we should all adapt. Yeah. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.